Hey, what's up, guys? I'm Taylor Rapp, former Washington Husky defensive back, and you are tuned in to the Circling Seattle Sports Podcast. Hello, welcome back. Episode 24 of the Circling Seattle Sports Podcast. I am your host, as always, Charles Hammerker. I do have a guest uh, that will be speaking here in a little bit soon. But before that, um, it's going to be a long episode just because I had a little bit more going into this uh, as a whole than I normally do. But um, yeah, I'm just going to say it's long and uh, I will have my friend here join me in a second. But game week recap for our Seattle Seahawks. Here we go. Oh no. Um There we go. All right. So, the scoring started off for the Seahawks with a 43-yard bomb to Tyler Lockett followed by a safety for the Cowboys after Tony Pollard struggled to receive the kickoff safely um and ended up with Dallas on their own 1-yard line. So, after that safety, the Seahawks would go up 9 uh to 3 as Elliott was able, no, pardon me, 9-3, to with Greg Zerline giving the Cowboys a field goal. Uh, the first quarter would end 9-9 to after Ezekiel Elliott uh, got into the end zone, but Greg Zerline hits the right upright. The Seahawks had another chance to add a touchdown with 16 seconds left in that first quarter, but DK Metcalf showed a lack of awareness and seemed to uh, showboat a little bit heading into the end zone and had the ball popped out. For a touchback by, touchback by Dallas corner Trevon Diggs. It would have been Russell's second touchdown of the quarter and would have been a six on the day, but, you know, that's not how it went. Tyler Lockett would add a second touchdown, his second touchdown of the game on a play-action pass on the goal line to put the team up 16-9. As the defense allowed a 40-yard pass for a touchdown to Cedric Wilson on a broken coverage up the middle. Uh, Greg Zerline would then have another point-after attempt uh, tipped by Trey Flowers, Tyler Lockett would get a third touchdown of the day, and that Sunday last week was the day before his birthday, so happy late birthday to Tyler Lockett there. Uh, the, his touchdown would then put the team up 23-15. to Shaquille Griffin would go on to pick, on Dak Pre- pick off Dak Prescott with 45 le- seconds left in the half, um, and that would then set up that Tyler Lockett touchdown. Dallas's first drive of the half, uh, second half there, Ron Reed forced a fumble on Deck Prescott, and Benson Mayo was there to recover it. Wilson finds Jacob Halser for a touchdown on a play-action pass on the goal line to put the team up 30-15. to The defense would allow another Cedric Wilson 40-plus-yard touchdown, putting the score at 30-22, to heading into the fourth quarter. Dallas would score 16 unanswered points with a field goal and touchdown on a 43-yard pass to Michael Gallup late in the quarter to give the ball back to Russell Wilson with a minute 47 left. He finds DK Metcalf in the end zone and then adds a two-point conversion to Jacob Hollister to put the team up with a lead of 38-31. to Dallas would march onto the Seattle 26-yard line, where Dak Prescott would escape a potential Benson Mayota sack, but throws an interception in the end zone to a recently signed practice squad defensive back Ryan Neal, ending the game there at the final seconds of the quarter. So, a lot uh, kind of that went on there. I tried to add some new with the uh, NFL primetime audio. Don't know how well that's going to sound, but, uh, you know, having Chris Berman back uh, doing his thing on NFL primetime and uh, ESPN plus uh, kind of inspired me a little bit, but I will stop talking for now and I will hand it over to my analysis with my friend Bennett Buckholds here. What were your thoughts on the game, uh, Bennett? And what did you take away 
after that win against Dallas? Well, it was uh, it was a really interesting game for a couple of these quarters. You know, the first two quarters were pretty sloppy, missed extra points, uh, fumbled mm-hmm. kickoffs from the uh, from, <laughs> from the Cowboys, uh, safeties, and then just kind of just general sloppy play from both teams, I'd say. And you know, you can attribute part of that to the turf. A lot of people were slipping in the backfield. Mm-hmm. Uh, the one that really sticks out to me there is a run for Carlos Hyde to go up to the right, and the second he cut it back, you could see that he had this massive hole. You probably get 15, 20 yards out of that, but he just slipped in the backfield and mm. um, got down. So that to me was kind of the highlight for me, or one of the biggest takeaways is just that first half had a lot of sloppy play. Um, of course, uh, DK Metcalf's t- touchback, which was uh, an oh, embarrassing thing to watch. Um, but, you know, you know, he won't do it again. Yeah, that, that's like that's one of those mistakes that you go to the sideline and Russell Wilson talks to you for 30 seconds straight and you're like, yeah, okay, I get it. That will never happen again. But after that first half, you know, we kind of go back to the let, you know, the let Russ cook script. Uh, and uh, he throws a trio of TDs uh, to Tyler Lockett in the first half. Um, one from, I think 43 and then two little darts from one yard out. Mm-hmm. And I think uh, to me, this just solidifies like he's, he's your dude. If you're the, if you're coaching the Seattle Seahawks, he's your dude. Mm-hmm. We haven't treated him like our dude until this year, in no. my opinion. No. Right? We we've treated him like he's he's not the star of the team. We built the team around the running back to no avail multiple times over and over again. So just makes you just, think guys like CJ Procise, just terrible. Right, Procise, Kristen <laughs> Michaels, uh I mean to an extent Thomas Rawls. These guys aren't terrible. I mean yeah, maybe Procise. I mean, Procise didn't didn't work and you know yeah. i mean he had well what was that i think it was 2015 uh because it was that season against it was like teams against baltimore where he had a bunch of yards right. but it still kind of wasn't the focus um, yeah always and just kind of been pound the ball and that's great and all but when you've got a guy like him you know it's uh, you're hindering yourself i feel like Exactly. And, you know, he makes the players around him when he's the one, when he's the centerpiece of the offense, he makes the offense so much better. Uh, you look at guys like Jermaine Curse, you look at guys like uh, Doug Baldwin, um, who if they played for any other team in the league, I mean, Curse had a record season with the Jets after mm-hmm. he left the Seahawks. So don't yeah. get me wrong there. But they, he elevates them to a different level. Yes. Doug Baldwin led the league in touchdowns in 2015, yep. I believe. There we go. Yeah. Um, when Russell was just throwing it like a cannon after that Ravens game when uh, Rawls got hurt. Mm-hmm. Um, so when you use him as your centerpiece, you're an amazing football team. Um, so my other takeaway from the uh, Cowboys game, just on the Cowboys side, is Dak's – okay, is Dak Mahomes money? Uh, no. No. Not at all. But is he a decent quarterback? I, of course. He, he's oh, yeah. leading the league oh, yeah. in passing yards. He had a pretty good game aside from those interceptions. That last one was, to me, kind of a wash because if he completes that play, if he completes that play and they, they, get, they take it to overtime, Dak Prescott is, is, is crazy good. Mm-hmm. He almost gets sacked twice. He runs around. He almost falls over. He gets back up, and he's actually able to throw a pretty decent pass. Uh um, Ryan Neal was just in the right place, right, place, right, right time. time. Yep, yep. Um, but man, the Cowboys' defense. Ooh. Alden Smith. Their their pass rushing was ridiculous. Um, 
which is weird to me because before that game, they only had two sacks. Two and sacks, and they doubled it. They doubled it in yeah, the first quarter. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, I don't know if he had more than the than three, but I think Alden Smith, he had at least three, and that was going into the fourth quarter. Um, right. Jesus Christ. <laughs> um, but then you look at their secondary, it's kind of a tale of two cities. They're very similar. Uh but the Seahawks' rush defense is fantastic. Pass defense is terrible. And mm-hmm. then you look at the Cowboys, their pass defense just couldn't get anything going in terms of when Russell actually got out of his hand. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they were, they were knocking him down in the backfield all day. Um, and if you're Tristan Hill, you did it when he didn't even have the ball in his hand. Um, <laughs> but I think, yeah, my biggest takeaway is Dak, the Cowboys don't deserve Dak. <laughs> I, I think they're misusing him. Uh, heck, even Zeke Elliott had a terrible game. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. He had a ton of drops that just could have put them in a much better position. Um, and then the safety. I don't. You know, I, that's a big thing. Is I want. I want to talk about that later. Is the turf. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, I always. You know, I don't know if it. It was just me, but I don't know if he. He. I don't know how much of an impact he had on that game. I think he almost. He almost had no impact. Yeah. I'd compare it to like, I'd compare it to the impact Chris Carson had this week as well. Because <laughs> both running backs struggled to get it going. I mean, you look at the numbers and Carson had a better day overall, uh, despite not having a touchdown. I mean, in mm-hmm. my opinion. Um, but Zeke, I don't know why Kellen Moore kept calling these screens. Because Zeke was just not catching him. So, oh, yeah. You know, I don't know what the deal is. Because normally he's not, he's not like he's got brick hands, you know. Exactly. Normally he's got decent catching and then just just i don't know what happened today well the game um so a little bit of a choke um choke job by zeke dak put the team on his back and he almost uh he almost made the comeback so yeah my takeaways again let russ cook and let's get dak some help because i think the cowboys are gonna have a real tough time winning the division even if they can't which is Almost insane, considering how bad that division is. Seriously, um, it's. I mean, if they get, because they were they were down at least two corners, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, and yes, I think true. you know if they, I don't. It was weird because there was a thing from Jerry Jones too. He said that he he almost criticized him for that play at the end, which is insane to me because he was basically the reason that they were even within a score of that game. Right. So. I think, to your point, yes, I don't think they really deserve him. Uh, and it'll be interesting to see how they handle that situation because I think he's on a tender, right? Yes. The, yeah. yeah. So, you know, something's got to happen this offseason. I don't know. I could, see him, I could see him going somewhere else, quite honestly. Um, he's been kind of mistreated. Mm-hmm. Um, does he, again, does he deserve Mahomes' money? I don't think so. I don't either. But can he make the case that he does deserve to be paid more and he does deserve a better team around him? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Where he would go, I don't know. <sighs> I, I, I legitimately, I have no clue. Um, I maybe like I can't tell. You, I can't think of a team that would would either want him, or he'd want to be on that team. Mm, or fork out fork out that kind of money. Yeah, fork out that kind of money for a quarterback who's as of right now. I don't want to say unproven product, but like a little bit of old news. Yeah. Yeah. I can see that. You know, it's just, it, I mean, his first year and then, I mean, it's not like he puts up horrible numbers. It's just, no. 
I don't know if I don't, I don't know if you'd say inconsistent. Just I I think I go with that old news part. Um, so to get back to the Mr. Wilson there, uh, another another good week. I mean, five more touchdown passes. Uh, obviously, the passing record, uh, passing Mahomes for the most passing touchdowns the first three games that was set last year. Nice. Uh, offensive player of the week, uh, second time in three weeks, and then uh, offensive player of the month. Uh, I don't know if you see it as much, but, you know, when the, the weekly talk shows come up on Monday after the games, it's always it, – it's weird that it's just like Russell performs – and yeah, there has been a little bit of pickup of the Rush Cook stuff, like from Sunday night. They had the graphic <laughs> and stuff like that, and that's yeah. great. But I mean, just guys like I saw Max Kellerman saying that Aaron Rodgers was having a better year. I mean, it just almost seems like he doesn't get respect still, even though you could argue that he's. I mean, I think he's up there with Mahomes, and I mean, I'm not. Gonna, I mean, it's. I think it's those two guys, and then everybody else is on a different tier. Um, but it's weird because it, it seems like he doesn't get the same respect that Mahomes does. Even Bleach Report put out a thing uh, when Kansas City played their games. He, it was just like some gift. It was like when people say, you know, Russell Wilson is better than you. And it was just some snarky thing. It's like why – it almost seems disrespectful to Russell. And I don't understand that. You know, I mean, do you think there's a – you know, what what do you think about that? Well – Okay, I'm going to say something. I'm going to take a hot take. First time on the show, I'm going to make a very hot take, especially (laughs) in Seattle sports world. I kind of get it. Mm. I kind of get it. I kind of get why Mahomes has more attention. In terms of stats, Mahomes is kind of outpacing Russ, at least in the last three years, Mm -hmm. Um, the years that Mahomes has started in the league, right? Mm Mm-hmm. Um, but there isn't a lot separating the two. And that's where it starts to say something. Mahomes has Tyreek Hill, Travis Kelsey, McCole Hardman, Sammy Watkins, uh, Kareem Hunt formerly, and Carlos, not Carlos Hyde, uh, what's the new guy? Uh, Hilaire. Uh, Clyde. Hilaire, Edward, Edwards Hilaire. Yep. Um, he has an amazing supporting cast. Oh, yeah, and, and the offensive line. Offensive line, and let's not forget, uh, he has one of the most brilliant offensive minds. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Coaching him, probably the one of the best offensive coaches of all time. Well, and then even uh, Eric, I don't know, the enemy, his last name. Yeah, there you go. Yep, yep, yep. Uh, Reed and the enemy, they're like they are using him the way you should use oh, yeah. a generational oh, yeah. talent. An amazing situation. Um, so it it makes sense. Because when your coaches utilize you in the correct way, you start making these absolutely money plays that no one else in the league can do because they don't have the same quality of coaching. They don't have the same quality of team. Mm -hmm. And, I mean, Mahomes, Russell Wilson comparisons aside, he came in the league, sat on the bench for Alex Smith, came out, first game ever was in the playoffs, I think, or at least very deep in the regular season. Oh, yeah, 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 because he – Smith. Oh, geez, I forgot about. Oh, wait, no. No, that was for the Redskins, but I think they just took Smith out to let Mahomes play. Yep, yep, yep. Um, and I think it was against the Broncos, um, if I remember correctly. But he goes in his next year. He's MVP. He throws fifty touchdowns. You're gonna get the eye of the media, right? Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. Russell. I mean, okay, so Mahomes has been shredding it up in the last three years. Russell's been consistent. He's been consistently doing uh, top five each year in terms of numbers. 
Yeah. But he's never been he's never been like the 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 guy almost. He's never been the guy. He's never been like the Manning level. How is he doing this? Mm-hmm. Up until I'd say last year and this year. Yeah. Because like 2015, that was great and all, but it wasn't like the full season. It was not close. Full season wasn't even close. Last yeah. last six games, crazy. Mm-hmm. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Last six games showed you that Russell could do this. But then you look at 2016-2017, where we're a run-first offense with an offensive line that does not support that. Mm-hmm. Then you kind of see Russell's numbers dip. And then you see these guys like Mahomes and, um, I mean, Jackson. I know he wasn't playing in the league then. But you see these types of guys start to skyrocket because their offense utilizes them correctly. So yeah. if you want to talk about why Russell's not getting the attention he should get, it kind of comes down to coaching. Yes, and I think Pete Carroll and Schottenheimer, um, are they good coaches? Yes, I think I, I will say that. I think I'd get hounded for that if I said that on Twitter. <sighs> to a degree, I think. But they're not They're not using Russell right. No, they haven't been. And it's – I mean, I get it when he was younger, you know, because um, maybe he wasn't necessarily – I mean, obviously he wasn't doing what he would do now. But right when Marshawn left, I mean, you haven't really had anywhere close to that production where you can say, okay, we're going to pound the ball. Right. Um, and that's great and all, but especially in a passing league, you know, because, I mean, I don't think there's any argument, you know, that it's a passing league. Um, and when you've got a quarterback like that, and, I mean, Doug Baldwin's great, and I love Doug Baldwin, uh, but now that you've got – that you've got Tyler Lockett and his development over the past two years into the receiver that he is. Um, and a guy like DK Metcalf and not as much Will Disley this year, because he's kind of been a lot quieter this year. Uh, oh, I have thoughts years. about that, by the way, I have thoughts about that. All right. I um, didn't know that would come up, but I do have thoughts about that. <laughs> but I mean, when you've just got like the tight end room and the wide receiver room that you do, um, I, I I just don't understand. I, I I like that they're doing it now, that they're acknowledging it, and that they even went at a secondary like the Patriots that the way that they did. Um, it's just I think to your point, it is sort of a situational type thing, mm-hmm. because the Chiefs, I mean, they fully embraced that. I mean, you go from when Alex Smith didn't have a single pass to a wide receiver in a season, exactly, with guys like Dwayne Bow. You know, to now, I mean, what they do there in Kansas City with from Kelsey to Hill, Hardman, Watkins, Demarcus Robinson, mm-hmm. just and then I mean with Lamar, I mean they do really good uh, with running the ball. I wouldn't say as much passing, obviously. Right now, nah, they I don't really think they can be a team that you know can pass the ball back their way into a game, but I think it really is. I would agree with that. I mean, I, I think you gave a good point as a situation. Um, I won't get in. Well, actually I'll let, what was, uh, what was you, what were we going to talk about with Disley there? I just want to say, I think the Greg Olson signing is a little ridiculous. Yeah. I mean, especially seven, with the contract he got. $7 million for a tight end who, I mean, parted ways with the Panthers. The Panthers let him walk. Mm-hmm. Um, especially in a season that we were looking for pass rush off uh, options, which mm-hmm. I know we will get to, but um, it's to me, it's mind boggling. You pay this guy so much to come in and play tight end when you have Will Disley. Mm-hmm. But that is, that's, that's my big thought. I just, I wish Will Disley would be 
used better. I think he's an amazing tight end. Um, he can run like hell. And, I mean, local product, UW kid. Oh, so, yeah. you know, we always love to see those guys run. But, like, even aside from the hometown homerism, he had an amazing season last year. Oh, yeah. I mean, even – Before he was hurt. Yeah, even the year before that. I mean, coming out, and I think it had, like, a 60-yard catch against Denver in that first game of the season. And then, uh, shoot, I forgot what game he got injured in in the 18 there. But even, like, like last year, I mean, we saw it. We're like, hey, you know, we're going to get this guy. And then, obviously, the I think it was the Patella tendon. Uh, yeah. Like, Jimmy Graham a couple of, I mean, years back. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, shelling out that type of money. I mean, if he was – if it was earlier in his career, you know. I agree. Hell, yeah. You know, but, I mean, like, yeah, to your point – when guys like Everson Griffin were on the market, I don't know if I'd say Clowney necessarily because he wanted that type of money. Right. He doesn't really produce for Tennessee. Um, oh, yeah. Oh, but yeah. Seven million. Uh, I don't know if that's just what he wanted, but it's – I mean, for it's a lower easy. price, sure, dude. Like, you know, if it was more reasonable, I don't have an issue with it necessarily. Same. But, I mean, Hollister – even Hollister produced a solid amount down the stretch yeah um, it's just it's interesting because he had a okay i think he had like 60 yards last game olsen um true true and he had that he had that fourth down conversion that i'll yeah. i'll give him that but i don't know if that's a seven million dollar catch no no and i mean obviously you know he has a chance to do more throughout the season but seven million i mean looking at it right now is not necessarily a good deal i would say i'm sure you would say other words not necessarily uh you know but um yeah i mean i thought that was interesting and i mean to have a guy like i mean everyone i mean luke wilson's great yeah and that's great and that's all fun but i don't know if we necessarily need him and olsen and disley and hollister and then they drafted kobe parkinson who got injured in the offseason and they had uh i think it was steven sullivan sullivan right I mean, I just – I don't get the overhaul, you know. Um, but maybe that speaks to Olsen's injury. I mean, not Olsen, Disley's injuries. Right. I just – I love I love having – airing it out to DK. I mean, I love DK and I love Tyler Lockett. But, I mean, you do have those tight ends, you know. Yeah. So I'd like to see him utilize more. But um, it really is interesting to see how Olsen will do um, – <laughs> throughout the season and if maybe he'll change your mind but uh looking at it right now i don't i don't know how uh how that will go necessarily um next into someone i think you mentioned before i started this uh started recording here trey flowers and shaquille griffin and their game uh getting torched several times oh. down the side uh i mean shaquille had that pick in the second uh, second quarter before half with like 45 seconds left uh, I mean, that was maybe I, I wouldn't say it's a saving grace considering what happened the rest of the game. Um, and then Trey Flowers had that ball thrown right at him in the fourth quarter with like six <laughs> minutes left. Bounced oh, off his man. Into Michael Gallup's hands. I think it was Gallup. Yeah, it was Gallup. I mean, what I've always, I've never really had an issue. Well, yeah, I've, I've always kind of liked Trey. Uh, I mean, I thought he was cool, you know, big guy, you know, trying to get back to what they had with. I mean, obviously you can't replicate Richard Sherman, but the size, uh, converting him from safety from Oklahoma State. Right. 
but I mean, he's, he's had like, even last year, he had a bad year. Uh, two years ago, Shaquille Griffin had his bad year. Um, yeah. I mean, what that is was it? That was his rookie year too, I think. Right. I think that, uh, I thought it was his sophomore was it, year. Was he it was a sophomore really year, the sophomore slump. Yeah. 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 Because that was the year that we uh, lost to Dallas in the wild card. Right. That's right. That was a painful game. Painful game. What? What? I mean, the whole the whole secondary through the first two games, well, three games now technically, just hasn't necessarily lived up to the hype. Obviously, yeah. you know, people were talking about Legion of Boom point 2.0. Yeah. It was great and all, and I mean, I love having Jamal Adams here. I think that you know he needs an extension, and that'll you know that'll sort itself out, as he said. Uh, and Quentin Dunbar, I mean, I, I give him a little slack just because he's coming on, you know, and he's still right. trying to learn and he hasn't been in the system necessarily. But, I mean, what do you, what, what's, what are your thoughts about those two and Shaq and Trey going forward? And, I mean, what, what do you think it means at least for Shaq? Because, I mean, he's in the contract year. Contract year, big year, big year for him. Um, so what, what's your points on that? Well, last year he had an amazing season. He had a great <laughs> season last year. Um. Would I put him as an elite corner last year? No. Um, but would I, would I put him as a pretty decent corner, uh, Shaquille, last year? Yeah, he was serviceable. He did his job, and I think he did it well. Um, and we also have to remember we're three games in, and we just faced three pretty decent quarterbacks. Yes. Uh, Matt Ryan, Cam Newton. As much as Seattle fans hate to admit it, Cam Newton's a good quarterback. I think Let's he, get that I don't have a problem with him. I mean, I know he was a boisterous guy. I know we faced him a lot when he was with Carolina, but you know, he's he's yeah. on the good side now. You know, I love I I love watching him play, but I hate playing him. Yeah, yeah, I would agree um, with that. And then Dak Prescott, we just talked about who's how he's actually pretty good. Mm-hmm. Um, so Shaq, I think he needs to find consistency. He yes. needs to find. Yes. He needs to find his rhythm. He needs to stay in that rhythm. And then I think we have, I think we have a decent starting corner who can work his way up to an elite level. If he can find his consistency, mm-hmm. <laughs> Trey is a whole nother story. Trey, <laughs> Trey gets, Trey gets picked on. Trey flowers gets consistently picked on by quarterbacks who know their stuff. When you watch film, you see that Trey flowers always covers soft and he can't arm tackle all that well. Mm-hmm. Lanky guy. He's a big lanky guy, which is funny because that's not necessarily the build the Seahawks go for in their corners. That's why Quinton Dunbar was kind of a cool signing. Mm-hmm. Um, but Trey, I just don't think he's the right fit for our defense, mm. which is a shame because, like, yeah, we've worked on him for a multitude of years. Mm-hmm. But – I mean, he's not a great tackler. He's not a great coverage guy. And, you know, he lets these, like, speed demon receivers get so much separation on him. Oh, yeah. And Shaq, I mean, Shaq just needs to learn how to play a little more physical, I think. Mm -hmm. But Trey, he just gets burnt. He gets, like, really burnt. Oh, yeah. Uh, So, like, let's – I mean, just to even think about it, sometimes when you see Shaquille get thrown on, he will be right there. He just won't make the right play on the ball. Yeah. But then you look at Trey, he's just not even in the vicinity. (laughs) He's not even there, dude. So it's like, for me, thank goodness we have Quentin Dunbar. Like, Quentin Dunbar, okay, he played a little soft in that Patriots game. Yeah. um, But he's learning the defense. Oh, yeah, and I mean, he even had a pick in that game. He had a pick, yeah. And he wasn't wasn't allowed to be with the team 
for most yeah, of the yeah. offseason. So that's why I give him some leniency because, I mean, he's still got test- – I mean, you get thrown onto a team, and, yeah, he was here for a little bit with the offseason. But, I mean, you're still learning, you know. Exactly. Um, so, like, Quinton Dunbar alleviates some of my secondary stress. Uh, but Trey Flowers, I think, is just – I'd put him at the same tier as Lano Hill. That kind of <laughs> that kind of uh, when they throw his side of the field, you're you're clenching because you're like, I know this is going to either be a big play or we're going to get bailed out somehow. Mm-hmm. So, and don't get me wrong, I mean, just like Shaq, Trey has shown that he can play. Uh, but you just say he's more. He's kind of got to start showing stuff. I think or... he's got to start showing things, or else he won't necessarily have a place on the team in the upcoming years mm-hmm. yeah i mean i would i would go to that because i do agree i just i might have more of a soft spot for him because i met him <laughs> I really saw him a, i saw him at a training camp when he was uh-huh. still 37 i was like hey you know this guy might be pretty cool and i did i like this size but to your point you know he, he is uh, yeah i would agree with that i mean whenever you see him give up a coverage it's just kind of there's separation there and it's I mean, I don't know how much of it you can put towards a learning curve when it's been, I don't know how many years since they moved in the corner. Right. You know, and you're still trying to get this down. Uh, it's, it's, I mean, I'd like to see it happen. And I don't know how many years he's got left on this contract, but I mean, to your point, if it's still, if it's, if it continues to be an issue, it might just have to be, Hey, you know, this didn't really work out for us. You know, we've got to go another direction. Um, but in terms of the other guys on the secondary, I mean, oh my God, I am so impressed with Ugo Amadi. Mm-hmm. Um, Jamal Adams is a freak of nature, dude. I don't know how great he is on coverage. He let Julian Edelman kind of run all over him. Mm-hmm. Uh, but my goodness gracious, when that dude gets in the backfield, it's scary. He is plays like I mean, a man possessed. And then, well, I mean, even off the field, you know, the the presence he brings. Oh yeah. It just a lot. Of, sometimes people just don't understand like chemistry. Chemistry is such a big thing, you mm-hmm. know. And to have that presence on the team, I mean, even after, even when we traded for him, I was like, please lock the guy up, you know. And then years <laughs> after, please, weeks after, please lock the guy up. And I, I, I get antsy because you know we've had obviously, uh, Mr. Clowny Man, the one year I was like, oh, I'd love to see him extended. And then there was that whole saga. Oh, yeah. Um, but, yeah, to his point, uh, Julian Edelman kind of had his way with him. And, I mean, it's not anything against Julian Edelman. You know, seasoned vet kind of knows his way around. I mean, True. I wouldn't say kind of. He does know his way around. True. Um, it's just interesting how they play Jamal because even in the Dallas game, I feel like, you know, you don't want to get too excited with rushing him a bunch because, I mean, he's, he can still make plays, you know, on the back end. It's not like the dude is only a box safety. That's why, you know, it was so exciting to get him because he's versatile. Right. It's just interesting to see how Ken Norton utilizes him, and I have my own gripes with Ken Norton. Oh, yeah. Uh, in his blitz tendencies. Um, oh, yeah. There's There there are some interesting choices. <laughs> but, I mean, yeah, I would, I would go with that with uh, – I would agree with you on that, with having Dunbar, you know, give him his time because, I mean – it's not like he's been here for the years that Trey has. Uh, I mean, Jamal Adams, just whenever they extend him, I will buy a jersey. But I still oh, have yeah. to wait for that to happen, you know, because I, <laughs> I made the mistake of getting – we have employee day, right? And we get right. like a 40% discount. And I was like, Frank Clark, they're going to extend mm. him. Yeah. 
And then like a couple months later, I look on my oh, phone. Frank Clark has been traded to Kansas City. I was like, hmm. That's hmm. one of those things where you just got to be like, why did we let that guy walk? Yeah. I, I will never, I'll right never now, understand that. Uh, so well. Thinking about that because I think I saw someone go, why did we ever trade uh, Frank Clark? And I guess some of it was payday. Yeah. And I understand that. But I he mean, was so good on our team, dude. Oh, now yeah. he's turned, he's turned that Chiefs defense into one of the best friggin' pass rushing defenses in the league. I mean, they just added that piece, you know, because Kansas City defense, I, don't, I mean, I remember their defense used to have guys like Tom Bahali and Justin mm-hmm. Houston. Atari Poe. Oh, yeah. And then they, they kind of got away from that when those guys left. But, I mean, him and Chris Jones on that defense, we, we could use a guy like him. You know, we really could. Um, it's just one of those uh, things where it's like, I mean, I trust John Schneider, and I've seen what he's done uh, with some of the trades and all that and the acquisitions. But it's some of those you just you, you, you wonder what would have happened if we would have had him still. Yeah. I'm going to – I think I don't know if you mentioned it, but in that fourth quarter, the offense did punt three times. Yes, um, alarming. And I wonder if that's just getting too conservative with the lead, because I mean I don't I think they did try to get to running the ball in that fourth quarter a little bit, and it just we did. It's it, well, it's interesting to go back to the Patriots game because they had that third and third and one or third and two, I think it was third and one uh, in the fourth. And they aired it out to Tyler Lockett, and they didn't. Which was a mistake. <laughs> I mean, it was close, but I would have loved to just go ahead and get the first. But it's interesting right. that they they. I, I thought they got conservative again uh, in the fourth of this game, which is kind of alarming because I mean, when you've got the pass rush that you do, which is little or none, um, in in these passing situations, these passing downs when you've got a lead, I mean, I don't know how much you can afford to say, hey, defense, I need you to go and get a bunch of stops when our offense isn't just going to be able to get first downs. Um, And interesting that I mentioned the pass rush there because Alton Robinson, who made his debut this game, got a sack in that game. Um, And Shaquem Griffin, who I've kind of before the season, everyone was like, oh, you know, he's a cut candidate. And I didn't agree with that because, yeah, he had he the whole die. story about him and his hand and getting drafted with his brother on the team, and that's great. But in in times that he's played, like the Philly, the, both Philly games last year, mm-hmm. and um, there were a couple more, he, he's, he's shown speed off the edge and he's gotten pressures. So yep. it didn't make sense to me why we would just cut him. Um, and I mean, the interesting story came out about him, uh, when he cleared waivers, he had offers from other teams and he said he wanted to stay in Seattle, which is good, you know, because I wanted him to stay. Um, but it just, it it makes you wonder, I mean, he, he blew up a screen too, uh, on the last drive to Zeke where Zeke actually caught the screen, I think, but he, uh, Shaquem was there to just blow it up and didn't, you know, they didn't gain anything from it. Uh, and I mean, they even had him in coverage. So it's just like, why, why, why do, you, why haven't we seen these guys on the field already? I mean, well, obviously it's just three games, but you know, we could have used it. To answer the Shaq questions a little easier, because you know we have a loaded tight end room, or not tight end, uh, linebacker room. Yes. We got uh, 
Cody Barton, mm-hmm. Irvin, uh, and uh, oh man, what's the guy from UW? Uh, ben Burkirvan. Yep. yep. Uh, and then we have Shaq. And uh, I think out of all those people I listed, Shaq is the most viable replacement for Bruce Irvin. Yeah, I would agree um, with that. So in the role that he plays in the role that he plays for the defense, because you know, coverage. Yeah. You'll slip him out in coverage, but most of the time you're going to see him coming off the edge, uh, doing his business in the backfield. Um, so that, that's my answer to that. I think like we had Bruce Irvin, so I don't know how much we'd see Shaq to begin with maybe in special packages and maybe on punt defense, Mm -hmm. uh, like we did last year. And he was a stud on punt defense last year. I don't care what anyone says, dude. I don't know why so many people are like, he's a cut cam. Like he's an amazing special teams player. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, you do need him. It's not like you can only throw like backups out there. Like special teams is an aspect of the game too. Which I think we proved in that game because, I mean, Michael Dixon and his punting and then our punt coverage was just fantastic. So, um, But Alton Robinson, hmm, I don't know how I can explain that one. (laughs) To me, okay, so I have a theory. So he comes into the training camp. He's 50. I think he was 25 pounds or maybe 15 pounds overweight. Mm-hmm. Um, and Pete even mentioned he was, he was like, "Oh, he came in a little bitter than we, uh, bigger than we expected," <laughs> and uh, that's not something you want in your edge rushing tight ends no. or uh, DNs. Gosh, yeah. I wish I'd stop calling every position. <laughs> the tight end um, rooms just on your mind, Greg Olson. Greg Olson, er. Um, <laughs> but he's a rookie. Mm-hmm. He's a new guy. He's still an unproven product. And when you have the Seahawks who have this mantra of always compete, you know, mm-hmm. that, that quote that Pete always likes to put out, oh, we're an always compete team. Yep. Um, it makes sense to me that he wouldn't start. That's mm-hmm. my theory. That's my theory. He comes in camp, he's overweight. He's still learning the defense. You got guys like Rasheem Green who have been on the team. Uh, you have guys like, uh, Oh shoot, I'm totally blanking. But but we've have people. Oh, LJ Collier, who's been on the yeah. team for a year now. Yep. Um, who has has you know I was a critic. I, mean, I was critical of hey, him last year, but he has improved. He has a, had a pretty okay season so far. But then you look at Rasheem Green, who again just now recently got hurt. Yep. So of course Alton Robinson is in line. Hopefully Do I think far. Alton Robinson should have been starting from week two? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I just I don't get why we were stuck on the Rasheem Green train he hasn't been effective nearly enough, at least to not even see Alton Robinson give yeah, a shot. I would agree with that. I mean, you even look at when we had Michael Bennett, Cliff Averill, and those guys, we would rotate them out mm-hmm. with some of the younger guys. Well, that's how Frank Clark kind of got and in that's there. How we, that's how the emergence of Frank Clark happened. So, like, to say you're always going to compete and then to not give these guys a chance in the regular season, to me, is a little ridiculous. Well, I think, and even again, to go back to last year in a different position group with – um, Marquise Blair. Right, and right. There were several times where Pete was like, he 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 mentioned Tedrick, and for a while I was okay with Tedrick, and then I think the Bengals game, I was like, all right, that first that touchdown, John Ross, I was like, all right, buddy. Um, yeah. Which is interesting because I saw him. Is it, is it, is it him with Kansas City? Uh, Tedrick Thompson. Yeah. I thought he was with the Jets. That um, might be McDougald. I might be thinking of a different Thompson, but um. Oh, shoot. What was I saying? Yeah, Tedrick Thompson's with the Chiefs. That's crazy. I did not oh, know. Oh, yeah. That. So, yeah, he was on that uh, – I think it was Monday night game, and he was making plays. And, I mean, good for him. But there were several times throughout last season where Pete was like, we're going with Tedrick 
or the experience. And right. Like, That's great and all. But we but, have Marquise Blair, man. Oh, yeah, towards the end of the season and then even before his injury, which pisses me off. Which was just I mean, terrible to see. Come on, KJ. Yeah, that was – I don't know what the – what was going on there. Um, I mean, it's just it's, – it, it, it is interesting because, I mean, you do – like, yeah, like you said, with the always competing stuff, if you want to compete, these guys do have to get chances. You know, you can't just – have them sit there and maybe they'll grow, you know, or some, some will change overnight. They do have to get this. They have to get their experience somewhere, you know, right. I mean, you're not going to, you're not going to necessarily get that in practice, you know, because no. I mean, um, playing against each other is great, but you can't ever really simulate game speed. Game speed is its whole, this a uh, whole different thing. Uh, but it's, uh, it's interesting though. I mean, Alton Robinson is now active against Miami. Of course, mm-hmm. Shaquem active against Miami. Uh, and uh, weirdly enough, uh, Neil active against Miami. Yep, so we'll. Uh, I mean, I'm really excited excited to see how those guys play. Oh yeah, um, I especially mean, Neil. Even him to go back to Neil when Tony Pollard. Uh, I don't know what was going through his mind on that kickoff. I do not understand what was oh, going yeah. through his mind. <laughs> the first guy there, who I don't know if he could have made the play on the ball. But the first guy there was Ryan Neal, which is interesting. And then he shows up again at the end of the game. So I'm not going to, you know, think he's going to do anything necessarily too out of this world. But, I mean, right. he's he's seemed to be around the ball. So, you Man's know. He's got hustle. He's got hustle. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And that's I mean, like, that's, that's what the Seahawks need. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, and then it'll, I don't know when we might see him. But Daryl Taylor is a guy that I was excited to see out of Tennessee. But obviously, I mean, I think he's dealing with a foot injury. Right. Uh, so he should provide some assistance. But, I mean, with Bruce going down, I was excited to be, see Bruce again because I like Bruce. Um, and Rasheem I, – I did like Rasheem Green, but I haven't seen too much of him. And I was seeing him get beaten out by L.J. Collier, who, to his own point, L.J. Collier's had his pretty solid year, so I can't complain right. about it. But when you've got – when you don't bring anybody in necessarily, because, I mean, mm-hmm. guys like Everson Griffin and I think Clay Matthews is still in the market, I mean, and they're bringing in Damon Harrison for a visit uh, next week because he's got uh, coronavirus uh, protocols. Uh, when you haven't necessarily brought anybody in yet, I mean, why why don't you go and necessarily see, obviously after week one, because we did have guys like Bruce um, who were healthy prior to injuries. Uh, it's just interesting to not see them get that rush, get that run. Uh, and to move to the next point, uh, which you already mentioned about Ugo Mati. Uh, I was excited to see him and Marquise Blair, but I was wondering if Blair would, uh, I mean, if Amati would kind of get buried in the depth, you know, at safety, mm-hmm. having Blair and Quandre Diggs and Jamal Adams. But, I mean, now with the way that it's presented himself, I mean, you've got, I think he serviced well. I mean, he played, I thought he played well in coverage. Um there were there were a couple times there was one over the middle where he was able to disrupt Amari Cooper and I think it was that two point conversion that Dallas went for, uh, yeah, in the fourth where he made the stop which was huge, you know. Oh yeah. Um, so I mean obviously when things are healthy you have that that um that depth, but with the way things are I mean you get this guy real in game, uh, in game run you know which is. Not necessarily how you'd like to get it, but, you know, it may force a star out of what would have normally been just depth. Right. Um, and then after, 
well, to kind of already speak about what I mentioned with the injuries, um, I'm just going to go over what we saw. Jamal Adams, obviously, uh, with the groin, uh, Pete Carroll said he was pretty sore, and it's a day-to-day thing, uh, and he doesn't quite know what's going to go on with Miami. I think at that point you just rest him. Um, see, I want to say that, but Miami's Miami, I don't want to ever underestimate <laughs> anybody, especially with the Seahawks team, because we've yeah. seen the way that they've almost played down to different teams' levels. And they haven't won in Miami since 1996. What? Yeah, they have not won in Miami since. I know I know they played them in 2012, but they lost like 13 to 12 in that game. That was the game the sprinklers came out of the field. <laughs> they had the sprinkler system came out during the middle of the game, which is embarrassing. But they haven't won there since 1996. I know that they've done really well on the road, knock on wood, uh, the past two seasons. But uh, it's I don't you shouldn't underestimate him. At least I don't think yet, especially with the way the secondary has been playing. But with Jamal Adams and that injury, um, I'd almost err. I want to err on the side of caution because I love seeing the guy play. You know, but you know I don't want to aggravate it to where it's out for the season or something. Uh, Chris Carson, Ethan Pochich, and Damian Lewis were all at walkthroughs on Wednesday. Uh, Pete Carroll said that Chris was sounding real positive, um, which is, you know, take that with a grain of salt. Yeah. Uh, Damian Lewis looked pretty good. That was a guy that I was excited uh, about because he's, he's had, I think, like the second best grade for an offensive lineman in the NFL. But, you know, I don't know. I don't always agree with pro football focus um, for a, a variation of reasons. And he said that Ethan Pochitz was all right. Um, so obviously to go back to Carson with that gator roll tackle by Tristan Hill, who made two interesting plays in that game. Uh, it's his sprain is considered to be quote unquote minor and it could hold him out for a week to two, a week or two. Um, there's no ligament damage, uh, which is good. Uh, but it's just, I feel like with a bunch of like Carson and Adams, I feel like you have, because you've got Carlos Hyde to back up Chris Carson, and I don't know if you'd play Ugo in Jamal's role, but I don't. I almost feel like you'd have to just err on the side of caution with these guys. I just, I, I get worried, you know. So I'd want to err on the side of caution. Um, but it's interesting to me that Tristan Hill is only going to be fine for what he did. Yeah. Not suspended. Um. And just seeing around the league with how people reacted. But then Mike McCarthy said that there was no intent for injury there. And I don't agree with that. I think that's bullshit. But uh, do you have any opinions on that? Well, I mean, I, apart from the Seattle bias of watching your yeah <laughs> back uh, have his leg twisted off by a big man, um, I think uh, it's bad. It's a bad look for the game. If Quandre digs his hit on, oh, I don't even remember. Uh, Nikhil Harry. Nikhil Harry. Yep. Uh, if that was bad for the game, this is terrible oh. for the game. Okay. This is this is terrible for the game. Like that makes him. That makes the Cowboys look bad. That makes McCarthy look bad. And that especially makes the league look bad if they don't punish him to an extent. Yeah. I mean, I mean when you. Yeah are a coach and you allow your player to do something like that that's how you end up with a player like Vontae Perfect oh my you know? god 
<laughs> you gotta, uh, you gotta nip it in the bud. It's in the culture of your team. And yeah, I think this I is mean, why it, Mike McCarthy. I mean, even look at Clay Matthews. He has had some mm, dirty plays in the past. Yeah. And Mike McCarthy has never said anything about it. It is historically within his interest to defend his players no matter what. Sometimes when you're a coach, you have to say that your player has made a mistake. Well, you got to set an example because if you keep allowing that to happen, it'll hurt your team down the road, you know? Yeah. Especially to that point of Montez Perfect and those those uh, Steelers-Bengals uh, games that were so critical in their division, you know, with the dumb penalties that he caused. Right. I, I would agree with that. I mean, I'm not saying, you know, Ben is – you know, cut his season short, you know, but right you got to at least do something that kind of says, hey, you can't do that kind of stuff. You know, it'll hurt us in games going forward, or it's just, it's not even, you know, you shouldn't be doing that in the first place. Mm-hmm. Um, and I didn't even know that about McCarthy and just his history about that, but it's, it's, I mean, I don't see that on a day that I don't see that on a weekly basis where guys are tackling like that. So, you know, I don't think that's a normal thing that happens and it just happened to hurt Chris Carson. It looked like the play was well done for, and he was having, you know, a roly-poly on the field with Chris Carson's kneecaps. Mm-hmm. So I just I just think that's ridiculous, uh, seeing that it's only going to be a fine. And I would agree with that. I do think that's a bad look. Um, I mean, Pete Carroll said he was pissed about that one. KJ Wright said it needed to be addressed ASAP, and that there was dirty, dumb, malicious, quote-unquote, shit. He said that, not me. Um... <laughs> Quandre Dick said it should have been thrown out, and it's just – it is interesting because there's the whole player safety, you know, initiative that the league's trying to go after and, you know, with the helmets, and I get that. But it's almost like they focus – on to me, it's almost like they focus on the helmets too much because, I mean, there is stuff like that that's – I mean, it's not going to get as much attention as necessarily, you know, Quandre Diggs. And I don't even think Quandre Diggs meant to hit Nikhil Larry in the head, you know. I mean – I just think that's ridiculous. Uh, returning to injury stuff, Jordan Brooks uh, limping a little bit today. Uh, said it's going to be a challenge for him to get back. So, I mean, that's probably why you're going to see a lot of Shaquem Griffin uh, on Sunday. Uh, Lano Hill, Bennett loves Lano Hill. Uh, it was that he's not fully bounced back, so he could be out this week. Quentin Dunbar is holding on to good thought that he can get back this week. So we'll see what happens. And Nico Thorpe was a guy that, you know, he's been great. I mean, special teams is great. But I didn't necessarily see him as a corner. Uh, a guy that would we'd have to worry about being healthy for quarterback is trying to play this week. So, I mean, this not a good week for injuries. I mean, obviously the last two weeks around the league and then this week for us, uh, I mean, obviously last week we had Marquise Blair and Bruce Irvin go down, but this week, a lot of guys got injured, but not too many seem to really have that long-term issue. Uh, and to jump into perhaps reinforcements, as I mentioned earlier, Damon Harrison uh, is going into coronavirus protocol, so he could be cleared for a scheduled visit. And I know you just talked about Clay Matthews, but, I mean, if everything goes well, do you think that Damon Harrison would be a must-sign, uh, considering how well the run defense has played? And then should we even bring in Clay Matthews, because they obviously haven't. I know that Clay Matthews is with a visit for Denver, but no deal was made. But, I mean, should we be looking for guys on the street right now? Well, yeah. I think we should be looking for people to pull in from the free agency. Damon Harrison 
or uh, uh, snacks, yep. as he is so affectionately called. <laughs> um, I think he has a place on our team. I think it depends if we're willing to pay him. I don't think he's going to go for a whole lot. I mean, the fellow was um, considering retirement last year. So, oh, yeah. I mean, he's not a superstar, but mm. I'd love to have him on the team. I mean, oh, yeah. we're proving – the Seahawks are proving to be a pretty tough run defense to go against. We've contained yeah. Zeke Elliott, Todd Gurley, um, and Rex Burkhead, which Rex is Burkhead not a huge deal, but pretty Sonny good on Marcello. its own resort. Um, <laughs> I think that Patriots game would have been so different if White played. And um, yeah, oh yeah, after, I mean, after that absolute tragedy, um, that yeah, that was you can't blame him. But just that that's um, it just it speaks more to our run defense. We ended up playing running backs you weren't expecting to play, and mm-hmm. we still had a pretty good game against them. So I wonder if. You know, Damon Harrison, he's a running defense guy, and I think he'd be complimentary to our team. Uh, But I wonder where we'd even fit Matthews in. I mean, he's really good at getting to the quarterback. Oh, yeah. I mean, Uh, eight sacks last year, double digits all his other years, pro bowler multiple times. But man, has he been on the downward trend. And and like age, age, you know, he's not getting younger. Yeah. I mean, eight sacks is nothing to spit at. Don't oh, get yeah. me wrong. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that's good. I mean, that's good considering our, our best guy was green last year with uh, four. Mm-hmm. So, um, but aside from his sacks, I think the sack count is nice, but aside from his sacks, he's had a pretty mediocre year last year for the Rams. Is that because the Rams defense really just leans on Aaron Donald? Maybe. Um, but if we can pay for both of them, I wouldn't mind it. We probably should. Mm-hmm. Um, if we can, if we can manage that. Um, but if I, mean, I were to only sign one, it'd be Damon Harrison. I mean, I don't even know at this point what other guys that you could look at for pass rush. Because, yeah, to your point, uh, I, I wouldn't necessarily say that Snacks is a guy that goes after the quarterback all the time. No. You know? And that can almost be a point where with the injuries that are happening right now, uh, you might kind of just need him for reinforcements almost. Right. Because, uh, I mean, guys like Brian Monet and Dron Reed, Puna Ford, love Puna. Um, they've done a great job at playing the run, uh, but it's it's almost like it wouldn't hurt to bring him in because, I mean, at this point, there's not – I mean, Cameron Wake's a free agent. I thought he retired. Uh Marcel Darius, Jabal Sheard, Nigel Bradham, guys that rush the passer, but mm-hmm. it, it's it's it is interesting to see that they haven't really even brought anybody in, and I wonder if that's just you know trusting in your guys or you know waiting for people to get healthy, uh, like waiting for Rasheem Green to come back. Right. It's and I mean, I think Damon Damon Harrison. I think David Harrison, the reason we're looking at him is because he's a plug-and-play, you know what I mean? Like, there's yeah. not a lot of stuff he necessarily needs to learn. Yep. Um, and it's not like he's a, a young guy that will need to, you know, understand a bunch or, you know, need a bunch of mentoring. I would say, yeah, plug-and-play guy. Don't need to really worry about him, you know, doing things that a rookie would do or a younger guy would do. By the way, this free agent list is ridiculous right now. Which one? Just the list in general. Oh, <laughs> like, 
like Earl Thomas, Earl Thomas, Clinton Dix, Prince of Mukamara. Like these are guys that were stars not too long oh, ago. Yeah. And it's just, it's crazy to me that these guys are not on a team yet. Because um, yeah. the Texans brought in Earl, but they right. didn't do anything They'd about make it. a deal though. Yeah. So apparently the Cowboys are looking at him next. We'll see if that uh, that reunion um, happens. The come get me, come get me, <laughs> could come full circle. But it's anyways. interesting that they didn't. To me, that they didn't make an effort earlier, because I mean their um, secondary has been banged up. Well, they got Clinton Dix last year, right? And they even um, they released him. <laughs> they dropped him. They they're a perplexing football team, the Cowboys. I will tell you that much. They they they're, make some uh, interesting moves. How much Jerry has an impact on that? Yeah, you gotta <laughs> wonder. Um, so yeah, you just you look at some of these guys and you wonder like why haven't they found a team? And you almost look at them and wonder, well, how come I haven't heard anything about the Seahawks bringing them in because of mm-hmm. our defense, you know? Um, but I guess some of them are pretty washed, so you can't make a huge deal about it. But it it is just interesting. Uh, I'm gonna. I'll go with this. Um, so Ryan Neal, obviously he had a big, big impact on the game uh, with that interception. Uh, they did bring in, it's interesting that we mentioned free agents, Demarius Randall, former Packer and Brown, uh, was signed to the practice squad. So I think they'll give him a, a week or so uh, to sort of get integrated to the system. They signed Tim Williams to the practice squad as well, the linebacker. Um, former Seahawks and Husky Jermaine Kurtz, who we did mention earlier, retired. Uh, on a Wednesday, uh, you know, being out of UW, undrafted free agent, uh, you could argue that he's made four or five of the biggest plays in Seahawks history. Oh, yeah. Um, with that fourth down uh, free play against the 49ers on fourth down in the NFC Championship game, that touchdown, uh, that is catch against Denver in the Super Bowl where he bounced off like four guys, which that was a crazy touchdown pinball wizard. Uh, his, the catch obviously against green Bay to send us to Super Bowl 49. And then uh, that Super Bowl, I don't like to talk about where he had that catch to put us in the red zone. Mm. Uh, yeah, and then we don't that, that unholy moment. I don't remember what happens next. So we don't really need to talk about it. Yeah. <laughs> Um, um, what was it? I mean, it didn't have like great numbers, 153 catches, 2,109 yards, 11 touchdowns in five years with the team. And as you said earlier, he had a, a record year with the Jets. Uh, it's, I mean, it's undeniable though, the, the city that the impact that he had on, you know, Seattle sports, as well as just the franchise's history goes so much further than stats. Right. Um, so, I mean, that's just another thing to think about. Uh, with no no uh, preseason this year because, I mean, that's where these undrafted guys get their start. Uh, so, you know, best of retirement to him, but just uh, interesting to see how players can have such an impact on a franchise outside of stats. I mean, another guy that you could use, for example, that wasn't a Seahawk is uh, David Tyree, whose first mm-hmm. career catch was in that Super Bowl for the Giants. Uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's just ridiculous. The Steelers and Titans game was moved to later on in the season uh, because Tennessee had five players in total as positive. So that's uh, something to monitor. I don't think the league will necessarily have to be on a hiatus of sorts. I think it's just 
I don't even know what actually happened between those two. Uh, I don't know who got uh, who got those guys infected, but that'll be an interesting thing to monitor going forward because the league did put out another memo uh, relating to masks, stating that it would uh, start penalizing teams in bigger consequences, with, well, with bigger consequences, uh, such as draft pick forfeitures as well as suspensions, mm. failing to follow the protocols that have been put in place, which is... I don't know how extreme that is, but, you know, it's just kind of how things are going with the times, I guess. Uh, it also announced that Friday uh, there would be new measures relating to the coronavirus because of the uh, Tennessee uh, positive results, um, which would include daily testing, which, uh, you know, because simple enough, uh, they would hold virtual meetings and meetings in open air. This would be after they've had a, a confirmed case or a confirmed exposure. Uh, so there's, there's that, this more, more coronavirus news that normally wouldn't be talking about, but we are in 2020. Uh, and to your point, to get back to, um, the turf, the NFLPA union president and former Brown center, JC Treader, uh, called for teams to change the surfaces that they use in their stadiums in order to decrease the risk of injury to players. Uh, he wrote in a uh, newsletter that players have a 28% higher, uh, rate of non-contact injuries uh, when playing on artificial turf as compared to grass. He also stated uh, data from the NFL injury. Uh, 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 I don't know what the hell they call it, but it's in, uh, in, uh, injury data from the NFL uh, between the years of 2012 and 2018, where rates of non-contact knee injuries uh, were at 32% on turf compared to grass and for non-contact foot and ankle injuries, on turf as compared to graph was at 69% respectively. Uh, and I think right now it's 13 NFL stadiums use artificial turf. So pause that. I got to start another recording. The damn thing wants me to 30 minute fucking intervals. So when people listen to this, they'll have no idea that there's a time, there's a difference here, but all right, I'm not going to let that, pro I'm going to let that load in the background. So I mean, do you think that we'd see, I know, I don't know if I actually gave you this to think about earlier, but do you think that we would see a major switch from those 13 NFL? I know that the Seahawks use turf. Right. Um, and then the big turf in question was uh, MetLife. <laughs> the, the 49ers game against the Jets, they lost. I think Osa went down for the year. Um Garoppolo, Garoppolo for a couple games. For a couple of games, they lost someone else. Mustard Rashim, right? I think he he got an, an injury, but he'll be fine. But they lost another guy for the year. And then they, oh, there were several wow. players that said, because they had to play back-to-back -back games at MetLife. Mm -hmm. uh, but it's interesting because because of the protocols, they couldn't just stay in New York. They had to f play their game against the Jets, fly back, and then fly back to MetLife and play the Giants. I mean, do you do you really do you think we'll see any change? And I personally, I don't think that teams are gonna be swayed necessarily, just because. Uh, I mean, at least with the the fields that come to mind to me, when I think about graph or grass, not graph, or uh, FedEx Field, which was uh, I think about it because of RG3's injury in mm. the, that wild card game, and uh, just in MetLife, and I mean. I feel like it's hard almost to uh, just have that grass field and not have it just 
be torn to shreds, I guess. Shreds, yeah. And I don't know. I just I don't know if we'll see teams switch to grass. I mean, what what do you think about that? Well, I mean, I gotta say, you look at you look at MetLife, but then you look at State Farm Stadium, the Cardinals' place. Hmm. Yes. Where every great Seahawk goes to die. Yep. Cam Chancellor, Earl Thomas, Richard Sherman, Sherman, all of that, all those guys on that same field. Um, and a decent amount of these injuries that come are non-contact. So you like, you can blame it on the turf monster or the grass monster, whatever you want to call it. So like the fact of the matter is the sport has a lot of non-contact injuries. Mm -hmm. How much can you attribute that to the stadium? Depends. Uh, Oh yeah. And there's like such thing as bad turf. Yes. yes. Uh, but it makes me wonder how much they'll actually give, at least the NFL as an association will actually give to the players association. Mm-hmm. Um, so right now, because it's the very start of the topic, I don't know whether they'll make concessions or not either side. Mm-hmm. Um, but I could see it. I could see it causing some waves. But like you said, grass. I mean, that brings so many other elements in. Oh yeah. Uh, you play in a, you play in a storm. You have to cancel oh, yeah. the game essentially. I mean, I think. I, mean, I think it was last year, uh, when the Niners played Washington. It was it was like a flood, and they were sliding around. They were sliding around everywhere. Oh yeah, and I mean. I, I JC Treader put out those numbers that he got from the NFL injury data. Uh, and that's great. But I mean, at least when I think about it, it's not like turf is, I mean, turf. it's not like grass is like this all holy, you know, surface to play on either. You know, yeah, no. I feel like some teams do take better care of their turf because they, I mean, if you look at FedEx field in Washington, I mean, I've seen a number of injuries there, you know, I mean, uh, I think Alex Smith was contact. Right, because he got sure sure yeah, 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 yeah. So, I mean, to, but to RG3's point, you know, that was uh, not exactly something that he got touched on when he re-aggravated, because he was already injured. Right. That happened. But, I mean, just looking at some fields, they, they're not kept up well, you know, and it's just, like you said, it is kind of the beginning of this, and it'll be interesting to monitor as we continue throughout the season if it's kind of a thing where, you know, teams have a gripe with it. Uh, for this period of time because they lost some guys and then we don't hear about it for the rest of the season. But it, it, it's, uh, I think going forward, it is something to note is because, I mean, I didn't even know that it was only 13 NFL stadiums had turf. I thought that there was more. But uh, yeah, that's, I feel like that's something to monitor. So uh, looking ahead to a team that does play on grass, uh, Seattle will go to travel to Miami to play the Dolphins at 10 a.m. Uh, obviously on offense, you've got guys like the illustrious journeyman, Ryan Fitzpatrick, and our, uh, our, our friend Miles Gaskin there on offense, who I think is finally, whoa, who's getting more of a, more of a starting role. Uh, and then on defense, they are kind of banged up in the secondary. I know that uh, Byron Jones is uh, kind of questionable for that game. And even prior to that, their secondary was uh, ranked 25th in pass defense and uh, was 31st in yards allowed per passing play. Uh, it looks good. To, it looks like, you know, with the way that our season's going with Russell Wilson, I mean, it looks like, you know, could be a feast here. But, um, I mean, I'm sure you know 
as a Seattle Seahawks fan, there's plenty of games that we kind of look at and we say, hey, you know, we should win this game and not have to worry about it. But uh, that's not always the case. So what are, what are you looking at going into this game? And, you know, what, yeah, what are your thoughts going into this game against the Dolphins here? Well, each year I kind of look at a game like you just said, and I choose one that's like, that's our poison game. <laughs> like, that's the one where we should win it, and, but we're probably not going to. Mm-hmm. Thank God we've already won that game this year. For me, that was Dallas. I looked at Dallas and was mm-hmm. like, man, they yeah. could smack us around and we wouldn't even have a chance. Um, but we beat them. And, you know, I kind of came up with that idea multiple years ago when I choose a game. And usually we do lose them because we lose some pretty stupid games. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, but Dallas, I think that just is attributed to, like, the let Russ cook ideology. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, both of our teams are kind of beaten up. I'm looking at the secondary for for the Dolphins, Xavier Howard, Byron Jones, and their uh, their rookie guy, Brandon, jo- Brandon Jones, which is just awesome that they have two <sighs> names that are so similar, um, are both on the – they're all on the injury list. Um, most of them are either limited practice or full practice. Uh, and I'll save you the time listing the issues that we've already talked about with the oh, <laughs> Seahawks yeah. secondary and oh, yeah. those injuries. Um, but all of them, all of the people who are on the injury list for the Seahawks, Shaquille Griffin, uh, Jamal Adams, Quinton Dunmore, Nico Thorpe, Lino Hill, they're all limited practice and they're not for vet rest. Mm-hmm. A lot of these other guys are. So I, I, I'd look out for the secondaries. They're beaten up. I know a lot of people um, kind of rail on the Dolphins because it's an easy thing to do. Mm-hmm. They kind of write them off. But I, you got to always remember, this is football, man. And there, oh, there's, yeah. I there, mean, we've there, seen there, crazier things happen. They beat, the, they beat the New England Patriots in a seeding game last year. So I would not put it past them to pull something Oh, crazy yeah, that's right. Us. That's why uh, New England had to play that wild card, isn't it? Yep. Uh, and, you know, they actually have good offensive pieces. Miles mm-hmm. uh, Gaskin is showing to be a pretty good workhorse running back. Uh, no touchdown of the year quite yet. Um, but four, four, four yards a touch uh, in terms of rushing is not anything to and be I mean, ashamed of. I think for running backs, he's top five in receptions. So, I mean, yeah, he's, yeah, he's, he's not a just great, the guy who runs the ball. Great out of the backfield. And, you know, that's, that, that body type is really conducive to, to – to catching the ball at that backfield. We see mm-hmm. it, um, dare I compare him to Le'Veon Bell, but we see <laughs> it a lot with Le'Veon Bell when he was still with the Steelers. Um, mm-hmm. uh, Devontae Parker is a good receiver. We got to give him props there. It's just is um, – what a shame he's sent, spent so much time <laughs> with the Miami Dolphins. Uh, oh, yeah. Um, that new receiver, Preston Williams. Yep, yep. Um, and, uh, oh gosh, I'm forgetting his name, Isaiah something, um, who just recently had a game. I think he was just recently activated. But but to me, the scariest piece they have. Are you going to say who I think you're going to say? Mike Gusecki. Yeah, yeah. Mike Gusecki. He is ridiculously good <laughs> for a tight end playing on the Miami Dolphins. Um, he had that game against the Patriots where he dropped like 100 and some odd yards on them for two touchdowns, I think. No, for one touchdown, but still, crazy game. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's not like he's just some guy who makes his play. I don't know. He's athletic. I mean, he had that really good combine. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, with – he's not out yet, but if Jamal Adams is – you know. 
It's but the way the secondary is beat up, it, he, he could be a serious problem. Um, nah, he didn't have a breakout game against the Patriots. He had a breakout game against Buffalo, I should say, for mm. 130 yards um, and a touchdown. But he did drop 30 yards in the Patriots for only three catches. And just last week, of course, he scored that touchdown against Jacksonville. Yep. Um, he's a um, he, he's he is Seahawks poison. We struggle so much with dealing with these big guys down the middle. Yep. Um, I mean, even he, last week down the middle. It wasn't a tight end, but it was Cedric Wilson. There was right. one play with KJ Wright where he just ran straight up the middle. You know? Yeah. And that is where we struggle. So I I just I don't think right now we necessarily have the talent to contain somebody like him. He's an athletic tight end who can cut up the middle and that's that's kind of what we struggle against. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, even it's funny that he's on the team now, but that used to be with Greg Olson. And, I mean, that one, right. what was that? It was that one game in, I think, 2016. I think it was 2016 where Carolina came here and we lost because the three uh, incredible Legion of Boom members were sit, sat there arguing after the touchdown about who was supposed to cover Greg Olson. You know, and, <laughs> That's right. That was, that, uh, that was the um, – I think that was our divisional round wasn't it or is that the uh that was i think that was a regular season game oh really yeah but then i think that was we did we did play them later on in the season uh, oh that was the 2015 game that you're talking about oh 2015 my bad I yeah was greg olson ran all year. over us yep. greg olson now looking at his stat line seven receptions for 131 yards yeah See, I mean, it's, nice they, they do so yeah i mean I've, I've i have kind of looked at it like that where there's a that poison game you know Mm-hmm. And I mean, you used to think that playing it, I mean, obviously we're not playing at home this week, but I mean, there always is that poison game, regardless of now, whether it's on the road or not, because I think it was a couple of years ago in 2018 where the Chargers came here and I really didn't think we'd have an issue against the Chargers. And what do they do? Him, Philip Rivers and Melvin Gordon come and drop a, you know, a bomb on our head. Uh, so it's, uh, it's yeah, like you said, it's easy to kind of like put the Dolphins down to like, hey, it's the Miami Dolphins. Right. But they, they've definitely got some talent on that team, and they did bring in some guys on the defensive end. Uh, I think like Kyle Van Noy, uh, yeah. linebacker, and they've got DeAndre Baker. Uh, so, in, shoot, I think it's Cedric Wils- Wilkins on that defensive line. So, I mean, it's not like – I f- almost feel like, at least for me, I don't look at any game and say, hey, this is a rollover. But uh, it's, it's going to be interesting, you know, 10 a.m. start going down to Miami uh, with a beat-up secondary uh, against Ryan Fitzpatrick, who, as we know, has had his spurts of moments. Uh, It's Fitz magic or it's Fitz tragic. It really is. I mean, you don't know who you're going to get. It's kind of like a Jekyll and Hyde thing. Totally. uh, It's not not like a rollover game. I just – I mean, yeah, just like further input on the Seahawks, though, I think we win this game if we stay true to what we did, like against the Patriots. Mm-hmm. Like if we stay true to the uh, to the pass, and we do what we need to do with Russell, I think you you just it makes it pretty obvious that that's going to be what decides the game, in my opinion. If we let Russell do what he needs to oh, do. Yeah. I think that's an easy win, but if we screw up and we start getting conservative again, they pull yep. a fast one on us. Because that's the thing that I feel like Seattle offensive offenses have done in the past is we'll get these leads. They just kind of get conservative at the end of the game. It's like, oh, you know, we got the game won, and that's how teams 
that's how we get in these situations uh, where Seattle fans, we always, it always gets close, you know. So it's, um, yeah, I mean, it's not a rollover. So it'll be, I would agree with that. I mean, unless somehow this new Miami secondary comes out and is locked down, you know, which we played Stephon Gilmore and, you know. the pitch Yeah, we played Stephon secondary. Gilmore and DK Metcalf ruined him. So, so you know, <laughs> we, we, if, if we do what we need to do, I don't think it'll be an issue. But Neither do I. Do you have any parting pieces here, Bennett? Uh, you know, well, thank you for bringing me on. This was really fun. This was a while in the making. So <laughs> I, uh, it was nice to be on here and uh, talk some sports. Oh, yeah, sport, ball, ball sports. And I don't, sports. Uh, I mean, unless you have a disagreement, I don't think it'll be the last time I hear from you on here. No, no, no. I'll, I'll, I'll be back. <laughs> All right. Thank you, Bennett. Yep. All right. How do I stop recording on the damn thing? I think you just... So, you know, pretty fun there to be able to talk uh, Hawks with my friend Bennett there. I do plan to have him more involved going forward. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it was just exciting to have him on there. Um, sort of to wrap up the week, uh, the NFL did release a memo on Friday that stated that there will be non-game day and bi-week testing uh, in relation probably to that Tennessee uh, outbreak, outbreak, outbreak that happened. Players will be prohibited from leaving their home cities during bye weeks. Uh, injury news: Jamal Adams, Quinton Dunbar, and Jordan Brooks will all be uh, held out of the game on Sunday. Chris Carson should be good to go. Uh, Coach Carroll also hinted that the Seahawks may hold both Adams and Dunbar out for next week's game against Minnesota as well, uh, due to the bye week after just to give them extra rest. Uh, to get back to Carson, he said he looks good, took plays yesterday and today, so he had a good week of practice. So he's questionable, but it's kind of leaning towards him being all right. Uh, recently acquired safety Demarius Randall uh, was said to have done enough in practice this week that he'd be able to play on Sunday if needed. I'm not sure we'll see that happening just because uh, guys like Ryan Neal uh, will probably have the m- more experience, even though uh, Ryan Neal is a practice squad guy but you don't really want to rush a guy that you just signed from the street on uh, into a starting uh, role there. Uh, Damian Lewis uh, was said to have made it through practice, did a marvelous job on a sprained ankle. He didn't even flinch, was a quote. Uh, He's listening as questionable, but Coach Carroll made it sound like he was going to play on uh, Sunday there. And Shaquille Griffin is questionable with a sore shoulder, but he should be ready to go. So kind of just... It's going to be an interesting season with all the injuries this year. Um, not not going to be exciting to see the uh, injury report week in and week out, but you know that's just going to be how it's going to be. Uh, heading into our Seattle Mariners, uh, over the last week on the weekend, they had their final game. Uh, they had a doubleheader game against Oakland you know, they, that they won in the first game, 5-1 uh, to one in the eighth inning, which is an extra inning there for because of the doubleheaders, only seven innings. Uh, the Mariners scored five unanswered runs after the fourth inning. Uh, in their second doubleheader game, they won uh, 12-3 in the seventh. Kyle Seager, Evan White, and Tim Lopes all homered in that game. So a nice little offensive game right before the end of the season there, which they would play their last game on Saturday against Oakland, which they would lose 6-2, to two, uh, which is their final game of the season. Uh, they led early, but they lost a lead after that second inning and just couldn't seem to come back. So that is their season. Uh, obviously didn't make the playoffs, but it's uh, 
to even be close to making the playoffs with this young team, uh, it's something to pay attention to. It's something to get excited about. So uh, speaking of getting excited about the MLB draft, the Mariners will have the 12th pick in the first round of the draft. Um, so it'll, it'll be interesting to see what uh, general manager Jared Poto does uh, with that pick um, and who the team might potentially add through the draft. Uh, the MLB World Series will have fans in seats. The MLB will allow fans to attend the 2020 NLCS uh, and then the uh, World Series, which are both held at the Globe Life Park uh, Stadium, uh, which is home to the Texas Rangers normally. There will be limited uh, number of tickets, uh, 11,500 to be exact. Fans will be seated in quote-unquote socially distanced four-person pods across the ballpark, uh, which would include 950 fans in suites. So. I mean, if you're still watching baseball through playoffs, which I'll, I mean, I'll peek in here and there, but uh, you'll, you'll see people in the stands for the NLCS and the World Series. So for the Mariners team leaders and stats, uh, JP Crawford was the team leader in batting average with 259. Kyle Lewis led the team with 11 homers. Kyle Seager led the team with 40 RBIs. Kyle Lewis led the team with 36, uh, 363 OBB, OBP, and uh, JP Crawford led the team in hits. Kind of interesting to see where the numbers are in only a 60-game season. Um, I still got to remind myself that it wasn't a full season. Uh, so, obviously, just some notable people to take away from. Kyle Lewis, obviously, who sh- should be rookie of the year. Um, finished with 37 runs uh, total, 52 hits, 11 home runs, 28 RBIs, uh, 34 walks, 5 stolen bases, a two fifty nine batting average, 363 on base percentage, 438 slugging, and an 801 OPS. Uh, Kyle Seeger finished the year with 34 runs, 49 hits, 9 homers, 40 RBIs, and a 244 average. Not bad for an old guy. Um, I'm just kidding. I just, it'll be interesting to see what direction the team goes with Seeger just because of his age uh, and because of uh, his contract. So, I mean, I'd love to have him when we do. I'd like to see him retire as a Mariner, but um, it's certainly interesting when you've got this young team that you're uh, reimagining with is the word that Depoto's using. Um, but, you know, I'm I'm excited for the years to come. And next week, I do plan on doing a position breakdown just to see where the team is at currently with the roster. Uh, moving ahead to our Seattle Sounders, uh, they played a game over the week. They beat LAFC on the road. No, 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 no. LA Galaxy on the road. Pardon me. Uh, three to one. Christian Roldan scored a brace, and Jordan Morris added a goal. Uh, and in other news, the team brought back uh, center back Roman Torres. Uh, Torres was, was with the team for both MLS Cup victories and scored the winning penalty in 2016 to give Seattle their first MLS Cup up there in Toronto. He will not be available for the game against the Whitecaps which is today the third that you'll be hearing this on, but he could see action against Real Salt Lake. Uh, more than likely, though, against LAFC the game after that. So looking ahead, those games that I did mention, uh, the game that will be happening on Saturday the 3rd, uh, the day that this gets uploaded, uh, versus the Vancouver Whitecaps, October 3rd at 7 p.m., then versus Real Salt Lake, uh, October 7th at 7 p.m., and then the LAFC game I mentioned on October 11th at 4 p.m. Nice little afternoon game there, which is a change from all the 7 p.m. games that we've been having. Seattle Storm, big game here. 
they won their game one uh, of the WNBA finals against the Las Vegas Aces, 93 to 80. There were some big performances in this game uh, from uh, Brianna Stewart, Jewel Lloyd, and Sue Bird. Uh, Stewie had 37 points, 15 rebounds, and four blocks, showing both versatility on offense and defense there. Uh, Drew Lloyd had 28 points, four rebounds, and four assists. Kyrie Irving, uh, star player for the Nets on Twitter, stated that uh, Drew Lloyd is a problem uh, and that the 24 on her back is for a reason. Sue Bird dished out 16 assists in the game, which is a WA Finals, WNBA Finals record. Uh, so, you know, might not be putting up big points points there. She only had two points in the game, but 16 assists, you know, hard to beat that. Uh, Sammy Whitcomb will not be in these finals. She is leaving the WNB bubble. She already has left the bubble to travel to Australia to be with her wife for the birth of their first child. So congrats to her. Hope everything's going well. And uh, uh, hopefully they can bring it home for Sammy there. And forward Alicia Clark made the WNBA All-Defensive first team, and Brianna Stewart made the All-WNBA second team. I haven't had these guys in the news here for a while, but the Seattle Dragons, the residential XFL team, uh, there is some news there. It was announced on Thursday that the XFL will will return in the spring of 2022 after Dwayne The Rock Johnson posted a hype video which revealed the league will kick off its season in the year of 2022. Heading into our last segment here with our UW Athletics, there was some big news. Uh, The NCAA will announce its seven-game schedule for the conference at 7.30 a.m. Pacific time on Saturday. So while I won't be able to record that, um, you'll probably already have heard about it. Um, But if not, I mean, I'll be back on Saturday to, you know, give you that information. But they will announce their schedule on Saturday morning. So by the time you're hearing this, it'll probably be already out. Uh, Also, in conference news, the conference announced, well, proposed an eight-team College football playoff was, but college football playoff, but was denied by the college football playoff committee. Uh, this may be due to a loss of revenue due to the pandemic, as well as how the Pac-12 conference is playing the fewest amount of games and may not have represented the playoff this year. So, what I mean by that is they might have proposed this, you know, because they want to make up some revenue, um, and the fact that they might not have a representative in the playoff this year. I mean, they haven't had one. In the last three years, uh, since the creation of the playoff in 2014, the conference only had two representatives, and that would be Oregon and Washington. Uh, this is the fewest of any Power Five conference, you know. And as I said, they have missed the playoff for the last three years. Uh, and a quote from the college football playoff chairman Bill Hancock, he said that they decided that going that now, that doing that now would be such a significant change and coming with so many challenges especially given the timing with the season already underway that they concluded that the best outcome would be to make no changes. So with the way that answer looks, it sounds like right now they're not going to do it, but they could potentially be open to doing it. I don't see why not because the way with every major, you know, sort of, uh, 
entity with the NCAA uh, in college football, they would profit, I think, more from an eight-team playoff because there would be more revenue opportunity there. So you could see that in the near future. Uh, Obviously not while we've got all – well, we've got this whole pandemic going on, but, you know. That's that's that. That's it for the news today. Uh, hope you enjoyed having Bennett on with me. Uh, I do plan on having him here more going forward. So that's exciting. I've thought about it for a while, but uh, I was sparked. To, I got it. I had a creative spark, I guess. I was pushed in the right direction. So that'll be coming soon. So yeah, uh, I know this one's going to end up pretty long here. Probably about an hour and a half. So if you've gotten to this entire point, I really do appreciate you. Uh, thank you all for listening. Um, just trying to improve in week in, week out. Uh, if you got feedback on anything, please do let me know. Otherwise, you know, continue to uh, register to vote if you haven't. And, you know, if you're getting your ballots, please vote. Remember the Black Lives Matter. Um, wear your damn mask and, uh, you know, just stay safe out there. Take care, and you guys have a good rest of your day.